the Index Hereticus, the Fallen. Of all the ancient traitors at large in the galaxy, there are few as mysterious and multifarious as those known as the Fallen. Once loyal warriors of the Dark Angels, their betrayal became the secret shame of that chapter and their successors, a shame so great that it's very existence is withheld from all but the most trusted sons of the lion. To these initiated few, the hunt for the fallen is a mission of paramount importance, and they will never rest until every one of their hated quarry meets their doom, whether on the battlefield or in the dungeons of the interrogator chaplains. The story of the fallen angels began on Caliban, the now lost homeworld of the Dark Angels, at the outset of the Great Crusade, the Emperor's grand campaign for dominance of the galaxy, Lion L. Johnson led his Dark Angels Legion into the Void, accompanied by his second-in-command and close friend, Luther. After the initial campaigning, however, Luther was sent back to Caliban to supervise the induction of new recruits to the Legion. Some chapter legends attributing this to a breakdown in relations with the Lion. Critical though this mission was... It was ill-suited to Luther's ambitious personality. To him, his homecoming felt like a dismissal. And as the years wore on, the whispers of the Dark Gods stirred the growing resentment within him. Then came the tragic events of the Horus Heresy. And after the Dark Angels reached terror too late to combat the War Master's last cataclysmic assault, L. Johnson turned his legion homeward. On Caliban, a final, shattering treachery awaited the embattled Dark Angels. As the Lion's fleet entered orbit, a devastating laser barrage erupted from the planet's surface. Luther's hatred had festered and spread, poisoning the minds of veterans and new recruits alike. With a heavy heart, L. Johnson realized that he had been betrayed, and he ordered a massive bombardment of the great fortresses he had once thought loyal. While apocalyptic fires raged and Caliban's ancient keeps cracked and crumbled, the Primarch led a surface assault that brought him face to face with Luther. Infused with the dark might of chaos, Luther was more than a match for his former friend, and when the lion hesitated in his chance to deliver a death blow, Luther struck back with a furious psychic attack that mortally wounded the Primarch. Only with the lion kneeling broken before him, with Caliban itself nearing annihilation, did Luther realize the magnitude of his deeds. Tumbling into madness, he let out a psychic cry so anguished that a warp storm erupted around the Dark Angel's already weakened homeworld, sealing the planet's destruction and hurling the fallen Dark Angels who had served Luther into the warp, scattering them across time and space. Amidst the ruins, the surviving loyalist Dark Angels found no trace of their gene father. Instead, they found only the traitor Luther, who gibbered of watchers in the dark, and the forgiveness the lion would one day return to bestow upon him. So began Luther's secret imprisonment, and the Dark Angels' long road to renewal and redemption. To survive and rebuild in the aftermath of the Horus heresy, the masters of the Dark Angels swore their already insular brotherhood to complete secrecy 
and formed a still more impenetrable conclave, the Inner Circle, tasked with safeguarding the most dangerous fragments of their history. None outside the Legion could learn of the events on Caliban, of Luther's betrayal or of the fratricide that resulted. As generations passed and these secrets fell from living memory, they became guarded by a small cadre of initiated elites. Most Archangel warriors now fight with no real understanding of the chapter's stained past, and only when made Deathwing veterans are they granted their first encounters with details resembling fact rather than fable. Perhaps the bitterest of these revelations to accept is that many of the fallen survived the death of Caliban. Since this fact first came to the knowledge of the Dark Angels, who initially believed the fallen had perished with their homeworld, it has evoked both horror and hope. Horror, because one of the fallen could speak to outsiders of the treachery that ripped the First Legion apart. And hope, because with the hunting down and slaying of the last fallen angel, the Sons of the Lion might finally know absolution. Until that day, those privy to the fallen's existence will refer to themselves and their brethren as the Unforgiven, which I'm sure is not suspicious to any authorities. The hunt for the fallen is a monumental task, however, not only due to the martial prowess and guile of those hunted, but also because of the wide variety of trajectories they have taken. While some have succumbed to the ruinous powers utterly, becoming heretic Astartes and waging pitiless war upon the Imperium they once served, mothers look upon their past with disgust. Whether these forlorn individuals seek atonement by reintegration with Imperial society, or roam the void as masterless pirates, their true identity can evade the unforgiven for centuries. Most dreaded of all are those the Dark Gods cruelly cast adrift in time, some of whom are only now returning to real space, their sanity in tatters. These lost souls are a terrible blight wherever they appear, and they are a threat to expose at any moment the secrets guarded so fiercely by the inner circle. Whatever guises they now take, the Fallen are united in their determination to avoid capture for obvious reasons. Though some may seek redemption, it is only on their own terms, and to fall into the hands of the interrogator chaplains of the Unforgiven is an unthinkable fate they will fight desperately to avoid. After the fall of Caliban and Luther's capture, many of the Fallen swore themselves outright to chaos. For some, this was a natural step, cementing beliefs already fermented by Luther's dark oratory. Indeed, there were those who felt their liege had not aligned himself bodily enough with the Dark Gods and had paid with his sanity. For others, it was an act of desperation, seeing no chance for salvation in the fractured remnants of their legion and homeworld, they turned to the only powers that could shepherd them through the warp and give them renewed purpose. In any case, the corrupting influence of chaos could not be escaped. Over the millennia, these fallen have become as twisted and malicious as any other heretic Astartes, consumed by hatred of the Imperium and enraged by the events that cast them into damnation. From the moment these warriors chose to forsake their Primarch and look to other masters, the Chaos Gods vied with one another to claim them as servants. While the Blood God Corn was quick to shackle the most ruthless and warlike of the Lion's Lost Sons, 
the other powers made more subtle advances. Nurgle's fly-blown emissaries sought out those driven to despair by the loss of Caliban, promising them a forested realm of a far more resilient kind, the Garden of Nurgle, in which to plot their revenge. Zench spoke to the most scrupulous and brooding of the fallen, weaving Luther's claims into a far larger tapestry of betrayal and deceit, while, of course, promising them all the intellect they would need to unravel it. And to those who had already opened their souls to depravity in the halls of Caliban's keeps, the Dark Prince Slanesh whispered of indulgences beyond imagining. Though some fallen have been swayed by one of these sets of promises, others venerate chaos as a pantheon. Thinking themselves above servitude to a single power, they draw strength from the arcane currents of the warp as need dictates, blind to the many manipulations worked upon them in return. To these heretics, the gods' greatest glories are denied. However, only those who pledge their souls fully to one infernal patron can hope to ascend to demonhood, and those fallen who have become demon princes are amongst the mightiest and most feared of all chaos champions. Apparently. Many of the fallen operate in isolation, furthering their personal ambitions without contact with any of their heretical kin. Often they rise to positions of considerable power, mustering their own armies and laying claim to multiple planets or systems while keeping their true identities hidden. In the Imperium Nihilis, a number of beleaguered Imperial worlds have been lost in this fashion, seized by fallen warlords eager to add to their growing empires. Conversely, other lone fallen angels choose to work entirely from the shadows, infiltrating Imperial power structures as unseen puppet masters and saboteurs. Passing undetected for years or even centuries, these agents of chaos spread fear and discord until their host societies are on the brink of collapse. Only then do they spring the trap, calling in surprise attacks from the warp or attaching themselves to larger heretic Astartes forces to play a personal role in the destruction. When several fallen gather into warbands or even army-sized formations, the threat they pose is exponentially greater. Veiling their actions in at least as much secrecy as the unforgiven who hunt them, these warriors draw on millennia of experience to wage deadly campaigns through real space, tormenting Imperial fleets and claiming already stricken planets as their own. Whenever a chapter of the Unforgiven learn of the actions of such forces, they divert all possible resources to their destruction or capture, even at the expense of other strategic goals. This is especially true of the Angels of Redemption successor chapter, who are so dedicated to their secret agenda that they will forsake all other missions if a fallen warband becomes known to them. Not all of the fallen who now live are those same warriors corrupted by Luther. To the grave concern of the unforgiven aware of it, some of those who escaped Caliban took with them the skills and knowledge required to engineer new space marines, and a handful have acquired the means to do so. Thus, some fallen groups have been able to expand their fighting strength and replace their losses, crafting new heretics in an ultimate betrayal of the Emperor's vision. Those responsible 
are particularly reviled by the inner circles, as each newly made warrior pushes the Unforgiven's day of absolution further away and heightens the risk that the Dark Angel's secret will be revealed. The myriad guises adopted by the Fallen have forced the Unforgiven into highly complex hunting methods. One of these is a network of tens of thousands of human agents scattered throughout the galaxy, tasked with detecting the slightest clues that might betray the whereabouts of one or more fallen angels. Almost all of these individuals are oblivious to the fact that they serve the Master of the Watchers, a powerful member of the Dark Angel's inner circle, having been psycho-indoctrinated to living conspicuous lives. Only a tiny number will ever encounter information of value, at which point pre-programmed protocols will compel them to alert the Dark Angels using cryptic, seemingly banal signals. Other Unforgiven chapters have devised their own means of entrapment. The mysterious Consecrators have made use of their inheritance of precious First Legion heirlooms to lure a number of fallen angels into their hands, planting the artifacts in closely monitored locations and waiting for their presence to become known. Whether driven by vanity, spite, or a longing for things lost, some fallen renegades have tried to claim these treasures against their better judgment and have paid the ultimate price for their indiscretion. Not all of those hunted by the Dark Angels and their gene brothers profess fealty to the ruinous powers. Many are gripped by great remorse over the events that condemn them to oblivion, and they have spent thousands of years attempting to make peace with their grief and guilt. These vagrant figures drift from planet to planet, knowing no true solace but finding a measure of redemption in causes they consider to be noble. Hiding all traces of their origins, they embed themselves back into imperial society, sometimes even rising to positions of great influence and achieving laudable goals, from shrewd diplomatic victories to successful resistance to planetary invasion. Even so, they know that their deeds on Caliban remain unforgiven, and more than once a fallen angel posing as a planetary governor has fled his post and vanished into the void upon learning that the loyalist sons of the lion are in his vicinity. They are wise to do so, as no interrogator chaplain has ever been moved to mercy on account of their captives' praiseworthy later life. Though they may privately renounce their treachery and shun the advances of the chaos gods, fallen angels who masquerade in positions of power can prove just as dangerous as true heretic Astartes when threatened with discovery. Those who cannot slip quietly into the night will do whatever it takes to shake off their pursuers, destabilizing entire planets and engineering vast and bloody distractions if doing so will veil their escape. Such actions only add to the tragedy of their existence and outweigh any reparations they feel they had made. But ending their long lives in chains is a fate even worse for a penitent fallen. Occasionally, the new personas these reintegrated fallen adopt are so convincing that they fool even themselves. Lulled into a sense of safety, they all but forget the name of Luther and the scent of Caliban's forests burning. Such individuals react with more horror than any if they are somehow found by the unforgiven. The anguish of millennia floods back into their minds, mingling with disbelief at their unmasking. Even as they hit the cold floor of their interrogation cell, 
they babble their innocence, and some meet their wretched end still believing a terrible mistake has occurred. Other restless souls spare no thought for salvation, but instead seek glory and material gain as pirates or mercenaries. Killing and looting to survive, these fallen have become callous marauders, who recognise no master and pose a grave threat to any travellers unfortunate enough to cross their path. Whether these disgraced sons of Caliban band together with others of the same heritage or lead unsuspecting gangs of cutthroats and criminals, all have become master corsairs capable of evading capture at the slightest hint of danger. If cornered, however, these warriors lash out at their would-be captors with the formidable war gear they have accrued over centuries of plundering, from ancient relic weapons of the Legionis Astartes to more esoteric Xenos devices that are undocumented even by the Inquisition. The warp storm that tore apart Caliban scattered Luther's followers across time as well as space. For some, this effect was mild, and they found themselves thrust back into a galaxy still embroiled in the vengeful battles of the Great Scouring. All the same, the tainting influence of the warp had imbued many of them with unnatural longevity, and for ten millennia these wayward sons have eluded their former brethren, prowling the galaxy by whatever covert means they choose. Others step back into reality thousands of years removed from the tragedy of the Horus Heresy, though to their minds only moments had passed. Upon realising this, they tumbled further towards insanity. Much of what had been familiar to them was lost, and the Imperium they had known now wrestled with many other existential threats. Events they recalled on a scale of days and weeks were now ancient, near mythical rumours, if they were remembered at all. Even what they learned of their post-human kind was disorientating. No longer did Legionis Astartes ply the stars at their Primarch's personal command, and the chapters who had inherited their gene seed had each accrued centuries of history and tradition. Trapped in this new reality and robbed of their erstwhile leader, Luther, the sundered fallen confront their allotted fate in different ways, while some turn their backs on the causes that once drove them and seek to rebuild their lives. Many others enter a downward spiral of hatred and rage, consumed by the events that almost doom the First Legion. These crazed individuals rant and curse to all who will listen, putting the Unforgiven's deepest secrets at dire risk of being exposed. The enigmatic fallen angel known as Cypher is hated and feared more than many other quarry of the Dark Angels. Through the millennia, he has appeared seemingly at random on battlefields across the galaxy, his ancient armour draped with flowing robes, and his blazing pistols rarely missing their mark. Uh, deadly in battle though he is, Cypher's arrival brings far greater dangers than his tally of kills, though none can say why or how. His continued presence in one place seems to attract others of the fallen. Some postulate that he is the lord of a huge cabal assembled over centuries, whose agents are so widely embedded that he is always able to stay a step ahead of the unforgiven. Others whisper that his appearances are not random at all, that he is acting out a shadowy master plan, perhaps one destined for terror itself, that will finally redeem the fallen in ways impossible to guess. 
And if recent events, with his assistance of the Lord Primarch Gilliman, are anything to go by, that does seem to be his intention. Whether guided by some higher providence or his own unfailing instincts, the cipher's ability to escape the consequences of his disruptive deeds is legendary. Before the smoke and mayhem subsides, he always mysteriously disappears, leaving his enemies with no clue as to his objectives or where he will strike again. Having studied the reports of the early activities of our risen Primarch, Lord Gilliman, I would say it's wise to postulate that Cypher has access to the webway. The Fallen Angels possess all of the martial skill for which the Space Marine Legions were once famed, enhanced in many cases by millennia of combat experience and the favour of the Dark Gods. As a result, they are exceptionally fearsome warriors to face in battle, and on the rare occasions where they gather in large, cohesive forces, those who have survived such attacks speak of sinister-robed assailants who appear like spirits from another age. Indeed, much of the armour and weaponry they bear dates from an archaic era long since faded from memory. Though accounts of their battlefield communications are very scant and unreliable, some claim that the fallen talk in an obscure dialect. Whether this harks back to a lost lexicon of Caliban or incorporates darker tongues, learnt in the warp, none can say. While the fallen angels are all widely accomplished warriors, each has a preferred method of fighting honed on countless battlefields. Some seek out enemy champions to slay face to face, clearing a path to their target with pistol fire before swinging their ancient power swords or lightning claws into action with lethal effect. Ranged firepower is the preference of other fallen angels, who think of every thunderous salvo of their heavy weapons as a roar of defiance against an uncaring galaxy. There are even those amongst the fallen who once served the Dark Angels as powerful psychers, but who now travel the void as pariahs, ever denied the honour granted to loyalist librarians. This life of exile has made fallen librarians highly volatile figures. Their human anger made far more dangerous by years of exposure to the warp. Often, these twisted psychers are looked to as commanders by their fallen brethren, and some become formidable warlords. One such figure is the fallen librarian Osandus, whose warband held guardianship over the apocalyptic weapon known as the Void Claw on the planet Vigilus, leading none other than Abaddon the Despoiler to seek out the librarian and secure his fealty. Fallen demon princes also make natural leaders, whose authority often extends over legions of demons and lesser human followers, in addition to the fallen angels who fight alongside them. In the wake of the Noctis Eterna, the fallen demon prince Marbus led his demonic legions in an invasion of the rock itself, the vast space station of the Dark Angels, somehow defying its mighty defences to inflict a terrible slaughter before disappearing for reasons known only to Supreme Grand Master Azrael. The iconography used by the Fallen varies widely, depending on the motives and temperament of the warrior in question. Those who still consider themselves repentant loyalists often preserve symbology and numerals used by the First Legion at the time of the Horus Heresy, commonly depicted in red and white on a field of sable armour. Others choose to obfuscate their former identity out of shame, or in the interests of deception, 
while some even revel in the display of motifs of a proto-chaotic nature. These heraldic preferences aside, fallen angels have been known to assume all manner of garb when necessity strikes, using their appearance as much as their behaviour to confuse and misdirect those who hunt them. Wherever possible, the unforgiven attempt to capture fallen angels alive, to merely rid the galaxy of their presence with swift retribution of bolt or blade is not enough. The traitors must instead confront their crimes and be compelled to repent them. Fallen angels, captured by the Dark Angels, can expect to be taken to interrogation cells in the depths of the rock. This is a homecoming of a cruel sort, as the rock is the sole physical remnant of the planet Caliban, preserved by mighty force fields and propelled by warp engines that were the work of centuries. Other unforgiven chapters maintain equivalent dungeons of their own in a variety of highly defensible locations. For the fleet-based Disciples of Caliban, these reside within the heavily shielded vessel known as the Ward of Kazale, while the cowled wardens consign their fallen prisoners to icy catacombs they have carved within the nameless asteroid of the Saracoid Belt. Those fallen who do repent are quickly put to death, but the impenitent can expect a drawn-out and agonizing end with the hands of the interrogator chaplains. These somber individuals are masters of coercion, who have studied their renegade kin to the point of obsession, and they have access to a wide range of arcane torture devices. Most interrogations are also attended by a librarian tasked with weakening the prisoners' mental defences and sifting fragments of truth from their inevitable torrent of lies. Nonetheless, even this full gamut of methods secures confessions only rarely, and most captured fallen angels breathe their last in a broken but defiant state. For each prisoner made to repent, interrogator chaplains may add a single black pearl to their rosarius, and the fact that the most gifted accrue only a handful of these honours in their lifetime is a sign of how hard won each confession is. Indeed, so vast is the galaxy and so scattered are the fallen that even to track down and imprison one of their kind is an achievement unreached by many interrogator chaplains. For 10,000 years, a secret prisoner resided within a heavily shielded cell at the very heart of the rock. His existence known only to the supreme Grand Master of the Dark Angels and the enigmatic beings known as the Watchers in the Dark. This wretched creature was the man once known as Luther. Despite his deranged state, Luther's mental ties with the warp had endured leading successive generations of supreme grand masters to attempt to use him as an oracle. Much of what they managed to extract was nonsensical or deliberately deceptive. But in rare moments of lucidity, Luther spoke revealingly of the past and the future, or of the likely whereabouts of lost relics or fugitives who once followed him. Each supreme grand master had also tried to prize a confession from Luther, but none succeeded in penetrating the arch-heretic's mad ravings. Instead, he claimed over and again that he had no need of repentance, as one day Lionel Johnson would return and absolve him in person. But when the fallen demon prince Marbas led an invasion of the rock and then suddenly withdrew, 
Somehow, Azrael alone learned the true cost of the attack. Luther had vanished from his cell. How the prisoner's warded chains had been broken, and whether he had willingly escaped or been abducted, the Supreme Grand Master did not know. Keeping the potential catastrophe to himself, Azrael convened an emergency gathering of the Unforgiven. This was also attended by Rebute Gilliman, whose unveiling of the Primaris space marines sent shockwaves throughout the Unforgiven chapters. An odd series of events, I'm sure you'll agree. Particularly for the Dark Angels and their supremely secretive nature. Though Luther's survival and escape remain unknown to all but Azrael, rumours grow of a dire threat mounting. Reports from the Somnium stars suggest that the fallen are amassing there in unprecedented numbers. Whether or not the corrupting words of Luther are once again at work amongst the renegade sons of the lion, this mustering is a grave threat that the unforgiven cannot, will not, ignore. There you go, everyone. Just a little bit of lore on the, the Fallen Angels. Uh, one of the best bits of stuff about the Dark Angels, to be completely honest. I'm currently going through the Luther novel that's uh, fairly recent. I'm about halfway through it, so I don't know what revelations I'm going to get there. There's been a few already, but uh, nothing that's like groundbreaking, but I haven't finished it yet, so we'll see. Maybe it finishes up with this uh, abduction or rescue by this Fallen Angel, this Fallen Demon Prince Primarch. I remember this got mentioned in the Codex in the last edition for Dark Angels. I'm pretty sure it was just like, you know, sort of timeline of events. They're sometimes having Codexes. So I don't know what's going on there. I think they got confused with the Dark Angel thing, what they actually want to do with it. I'm hoping it's coming to some kind of resolution. And it seems weird that uh, Gilliman has met Cypher and nothing's been done with that. I, I, I'm not entirely sure. There's a whole thing with just before the birth of the, the, the Great Scar, you know, the Cicatrix Maledictum, the, 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 the fall of Cadia and everything, and, the, you know, Gilliman's return and stuff. The Dark Angels were, I think, pretty much at war with the, the Space Wolves. I don't know. I've got a video coming out on that soon, though, so that'll be a big campaign video, so stay tuned for that. But anyway, thank you, everybody watching. Thank you, everybody, honestly. Uh, please do give the video a like. Subscribe if you're not subscribed. Uh, if you want to assist me, uh, there's various means of that in the, uh, the links below. So I appreciate that if you do. And everybody's name's going by here. Thank you guys for, for, for doing that. I really appreciate it. It really helps. More stuff is coming. Like I said, big campaign video. Some more story time coming. Bits and bobs coming as well. We'll see how things go. But uh, yeah, see you next time. See you later. Bye-bye. Cheers.